Hello, my name is Ian Stalker. I'm the Managing Director of Pasifina Gold, a Liberian-based gold mining project company that's looking to develop its first gold mine in, in Liberia in 2022-23. Hello, Ian. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Matt, and yourself? Not bad, but I'm not stuck in a hotel locked up for, in quarantine. So. <laughs> yes, the frozen face reflects the quarantine. Indeed, yeah, we should note we should note that. So uh, Ian's in uh, quarantine in Heathrow and uh, dealing with hotel uh, internet uh, speed. So um, unfortunately, we don't get the full full uh, benefit of your your visage today. But uh, it's it's good to speak to you. We we, we wanted to catch up because um, obviously you put out a week or so ago the PEA. Right. I know you're in the middle of a DFS, but you you, you felt the need to uh, do a PEA and put some economics out there. So. Do you want to tell us a little bit about what uh, that tells us? Sure, Matt. It, it was very important for us. The, the previous work done in this project is quite historical in terms of age. The last sort of financial numbers that were uh, in any display was 2014, and they were old enough not to be owned by us, and therefore we couldn't utilize them. And I, we felt it was important to give the market an appreciation of the quality of this project from a financial point of view, because we'd already, via yourself, let people know that the quality of the asset from a, a geological sort of gold inventory point of view was already pretty outstanding. So we wanted to sort of convert into financial numbers. So the DFS that we kicked off in December last year, we kind of took a, a little stop sign on it round about uh, the end of March, beginning of April and said, guys, let's, based on what we know now, let's update the financial analysis. So a PEA came out, as you indicated, roughly about two weeks ago. And what it told us, uh, Matt, and it was no surprise to us, but of course we're working on it day to day, is that the project has a mine life at the moment, based on the way we've gone about our work, of about 12 years, generating somewhere between 180 to 210,000 ounces of gold per year at a mining rate of 5 million tonnes a year going through a process plant. Total capital is about 391 million, which includes a significant chunk of money for a tailings dam. These days, you don't build cheap and nasty tailings dams. As you know, you have to be um, completely au fait with the regulations and be ahead of the game because this whole green environmental um, push that's on, we've got to be part and parcel of that. So there's $80 million plus in the um, in the tailings dam. In fact, there's 100 over life of mine. Um, we've gone for a owner mining fleet, albeit a lease fleet, uh, and that sort of adds to the capital cost of that 391, but we end up with an all-in sustaining cost of $840, $850 over life of mine. We end up with a cash cost of $817, so very competitive numbers from a current gold market point of view where we're selling gold still at $1,780, $1,790. Um, and we used a $1,600 gold price for the overall economics of this project. Free cash flow over life of mine is over a billion dollars. IRR before tax is 34, IRR after tax is circa 31. So it becomes a very attractive project in a comfortable part of West Africa. You very rarely hear it in any of the news, and most of the news, unfortunately, when you hear it about West Africa, tends to be this coup d'etat or this uh, banditry event that's taking place. Liberia is calm. It's close to port where we are, so we've got all the right bells and whistles to develop this project. So that's given us a significant added value, if you like, when people look at Pasofino and see what the investment opportunity is, Matt. Brilliant, Ian. Like, that's a good summary, actually. Um, there's a disconnect, though. 
the market's not hearing what you're saying because this this PA came out uh, just over a week ago. Um, some big numbers in there: low ASIC, low all-in costs, huge production uh, numbers. What does the market think that you're not capable of delivering? It's a very good question. If I knew the answer to that, Matt, I would immediately retort with, this is what we're doing. But really, it's all about communication. We've got to get this story out in some extra levels. We've got to get some new eyes onto the project for people to realize just what um, what kind of quality we've got here. And we're working hard with our friends in, uh, in Toronto in particular, where we've got relationships with several of the brokers, you know, the GMP stifles of this world, um, the uh, Haywoods, um, and a few others, Beacon Securities, et cetera, to get that story out. So now we're in a campaign of of starting to market the story more and more, uh, Mark, uh, Matt, because it's important the message goes out. But we're constrained, and, and you'll know it um, just from your own environment. This COVID, just at this part of the business, doesn't help. Uh, it just slows things down, and you're not getting that intimate conversation that you got previously and getting your message over quite as competently as you did previously. At least that's my feeling on it. Right. But yeah, the, so the economics we- are... Great. The economics are great. The economics look look, look good. You're gonna, you're, and obviously that'll feed into the DFS as well. So, so, so we understand that. But if you, if it's a, just a messaging issue because you you believe in what you've got, then you've got to point people at what they should be looking at. So the first thing I'm looking at is the capex and going forty million dollar company. Are they going to be capable of raising that money? Right. So that 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 would That's be the number one point. for me. So yep. what, how how do you do that? Well, look. Part of it is this kind of uh, investor relationship meeting that we have with yourself, Matt, is to get people to buy into the stock. We we did a raise at seven cents um, just prior to the PEA coming out, so we've had a little bit of lift. We're trading sort of nine ten. So compared to that, it's been there has been a kick, similar to what a lot of the junior mining companies have, but we've still a long way to go, and there is a real disconnect between the value of the company, as you point out, and what the inherent net asset value is generated by these numbers I've just described to you. So it's really getting that absorbed into the marketplace and getting that message out because for a retail investor, there is a real chance of a 3-4 bagger here very comfortably without having to get it out of bed. And that's the message I've got to get over. Uh, okay. I think it's one of the messages you've got to get over for sure. So you raised uh, about $9 million bucks in, in May, that $0.07 cent, uh, round. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think Given them where the capex, you've done one or two of these things before, Ian, been mm-hmm. around the block. Um, what do you think you need to kind of get the capex up to to be able to have a sensible conversation with whoever funds this uh, capex that you're looking for? I think we've got to get the market cap up towards the $100 million uh, very quickly um, to be able to say that we're capable of raising via equity. So maybe 40%, 30% of the capital required. The, right. the rest we could debt, debt finance, we could have a royalty, we could have an offtake, etc. But I think we need to get up that level so we don't create huge dilution for the company and destroy the value that's there. Okay, I'd that's agree. really what we've got to achieve. I'd agree with that. So, so, so that's the kind of I think the long pole on the tent with regards to what people need to are trying to wrap their heads around. I suspect. Okay, so you've got a job mm-hmm. to do, um, get the message out there. And so let's focus on some of the the, the good numbers here: one hundred eighty thousand to two hundred ten thousand. Ants per year producer of 12 year life of mine. That's pretty good stuff. Mm-hmm. What do you, so shouldn't, I, let's, let's talk about uh, the ease of doing that, the compli- how complicated is it? Is this a simple flow sheet we're going to be looking at? It is indeed, Matt. Let's start with the geological aspects of it. It's a large, wide ore body. 
fairly consistent in grade. We've got a grade currently at the moment of about in situ of 1.5, 1.51 grams per tonne. So by most comparables, that's pretty good. Um, the PEA delivered, and remember, I think it's fair to just highlight to yourself and, and the guys who follow you, Matt, in, in these um, meetings that we have, that the DFS kicked off in December last year. So a lot of the work that's going into this PEA, and you'll hear it repeatedly from a lot of guys like me saying, oh, by the way, this is much better than a normal PEA, blah, 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 blah. But it was based on the fact that we kicked off the DFS in December. And so up until when we said, let's get the financials out, that's where we were heading and continue to head. So from a point of view of knowing that the geological resource is pretty intact with more to come, and we'll talk about that in terms of future upside, we could then develop a mine plan that is also pretty robust. So when you look at it from a mining point of view, I told you it's a pretty wide uh, ore body, consistent grade. Um, but the important thing too is that the stripping ratio in the early years is less than three to one. And overall, from a mining perspective, over the life of mine is about 4.5 to one. So it's a very benign stripping ratio and lends itself to potentially going out for a mining con contract fleet. Uh, Liberia doesn't have that in-house at the moment. Liberia is still, a, uh, if you like, a, a frontier country, con country in terms of, of mining. There's not that many mines in it. It's mainly iron ore that's known about in the area. So we went about as a base case saying, well, in that case, we have to generate our own fleet. But there's potential capital savings by now knowing that we've got this robust ore body, this simple uh, mining approach from an open pit point of view and generating uh, the interest from mining contractors, which we've already started to do. And then in the second step that you asked about on the process plant, you're right, it is, there's nothing special about it. It is a grind, well, it's a crush, a grind and gravity gold, a little bit of gravity gold and leach and then produce a dory. So it's not rocket science, which I'm glad to say, because most of us engineers on the mining side are not rocket scientists. <laughs> I met one two weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> came into mining, what were you thinking? Um, right, so let's, let's talk about um, perception, okay? So someone said, a, I think it was a broker, said, well, perception's reality. We, we, we were talking about some of the inflated prices that we're seeing for some stocks and go, oh, well, perception's reality. And if they believe it's true, it'll become true, right? You have, you got this asset from Hummingbird and they had a few years in the wilderness, shall we say, where people weren't looking at them. You know, they started off as a golden boy and then it just went, went, went a little bit flat on them. This is one of their old assets. Do you think you're you're suffering from the legacy of people perceiving this as old news um, and not not a case of well, let's just put a uh, put a new lease of life into this thing and come out a, a different way? I mean, is there some of that going on? Do you think, Matt? I think it's almost a rhetorical question you've asked me because the answer is yes. There is. It is an old project. There was $70 million spent in it. And unfortunately, the timing of Hummingbird at that stage of the, the gold market was bringing it out in a gold environment of about 1100 1200 and it didn't make a lot of sense. Plus, they didn't have the full size of inventory we've now got. They had a lower grade, and we've pumped it up to go for it's, – it's a new coat of paint, but it's still the same resource. And you're right. There is a little bit of legacy. Make no mistake on it, Mark. It's there. Okay. Well, let, let, let's let's okay. Well, let's let, let's just talk about it then. So, what? Yeah, how? I'm always intrigued when people kind of step in here because one company thinks this about it and projects that picture. You've come in and said, "Well, actually, hey, hey, let's look at this differently, right?" And I want you to kind of explain why you think you can make a go of it because there's a difference between um, sort of retread stories. 
mm-hmm. and turnaround stories, right? There's a very mm-hmm. fine line, but mm-hmm. never, nevertheless, one one has and will maintain a certain perception of the marketplace, which is not good. And the other is you need to do something different. So what what is it that you're going to be doing that's different to the previous story and is actually three going to increase your success chance? Three, three things stand out to me, Matt. The first one is the location of this project. It sits 70 kilometers away from a deep water port known as Grenville in the Liberian coast. The cost of getting equipment to site is probably 10 to 15% cheaper than it would have been had I been building the old mine that I built in Seguri in Guinea, 880 kilometers away from the port of Conakry. It's significantly cheaper than building a mine in Burkina Faso, which is a landlocked country. And it's even cheaper than building a mine in Mali. So there's a distinct advantage economically and timing-wise of being so proximate to the port. It also allows us to develop the port as a hub for some of the subcontractors that we are going to use. So again, we can offset the capital at some stage in this this thinking process to bring guys in who see that part of West Africa beginning to develop a la Ghana style. It's just a start off and it won't happen overnight, but we just got to knock away at it. At it. The second one, Matt, is that in 2019, the government put out um, on behalf of, at that time, the company that was Hummingbird, a mineral development agreement, which never existed previously. So we've been able to pick up that mineral development agreement, which gives us significant opportunity and, if you like, a tablecloth of exactly the way you can build a mine in Liberia. That did not exist previously, and we've been able to utilize that from a point of view of saying, look, we can offset all capital expenditure against tax, all of it from the day of the first drill turning on expiration all the way through to mine operations kicking in. And that should be there for based on a, a, a capital of 391 that I mentioned in the PEA, plus about 90 to 100 million spent on upfront expiration, 400 million, 500 million coming off the tax bill immediately. We've got a fixed corporate rate of tax of uh, 25% for life of mine. And we've got a fixed situation where we are un- they, they cannot raise taxes on import of uh, mining goods. So we've got a framework there that gives another level of confidence that didn't exist previously. So it's getting that message over. Thirdly, we've got the benefit of saying, guys, we now have the best part of three and a half, well, two million ounces of indicated. I can't club them together, as you know. One and a half of inferred. That's going to grow with the drilling we're doing. That resource can be mined at that circa 200,000 ounces a year. Previously, the guys were mining at half that rate. And so they lost the benefit of productivity, spreading overhead over a greater number of tons, um, and just utilizing a, a more proficient mining fleet as a consequence. So all those drive you towards a much more economic project, and you've then got the gold environment that's no longer 2014 thinking, it's 2021 thinking. So those areas make the difference, and that's what allows us to re-engineer and redevelop this project. And going forward, Matt, if you take those, you know, I mentioned the the operating cost was sort of 820, all in sustaining is about 860. One of the drivers in that is that we are generating our own power um, at circa 18 cents per kilowatt hour. It's a across the fence power plant that's delivering it uh, using HFO as the base case. But there has been work done and we've engaged with the government. It's not going to be an overnight uh, release, but we've engaged with the government to make use of potential hydropower sources in the area, which could reduce the power cost by uh, circa from 18 cents to, let's say, six cents and giving the 
PPP, the private power producer, a nice incentive at six cents per kilowatt. Bringing that into the operating cost takes us nicely sub 800 and again, just makes this whole thing more attractive. So the base is strong. The country is strong. The gold market is in a different environment than it was back in 2014. And then we've still got more upside coming. So that's where we can re-engineer and bring this up to you know, 21st century would, would, upside. Brilliant. Okay, so some cost cost savings to be had. There's also some cost increases because you, you talked about some fixed costs around tax and, and so forth. But in terms of um, things, like, things like shipping and containers and materials and availability of drills and the skilled workforce necessary here, those prices are going up. So is that, would that make a significant impact to your economics or is it a case of, you know, Swings and roundabouts with, with these things. Well, you know, Matt, it, you're right. And it's a very good point. The, the cost of shipping has gone up. The, everyone's as clear as the nose in your face. But the benefit by comparison, that's all I can draw to is you look at the other projects that are out there. The fact that we have our port so close to our site, it's not a haulage. Everything in Africa, I mean, I, we used to bring um, cement from the port of Conakry up to Siguri. And by the time it came up, we doubled the price per tonne. You know, because it was an 880-kilometer route, uh, and and the time as well as the the cost of just driving it that far, it would be at least 10 days. We're eight hours away in the worst days. You know, I mean, 70 kilometers, and if I give you eight hours, that's 10 kilometers an hour plus or minus. You know, nothing should go that slow, but you know, that's fair. That is an upside by comparison. But yes, the same pressures that everyone faces we face and we've just got to go in and say well look if we go for that bigger operation then i'm still bringing in bigger equipment but it's the same effectively the same cost to ship it from port a to port b right so remind me the 70 million bucks that, uh, that was spent on it today i mean how much of that do you get uh, an actual either immediate or tangible benefit from because some of it will have been wasted so what are you benefiting from there? Really, it's the quality of the resource that they gave us. That was the starting point. But that resource was, if you like, again, circa 2014. And the new TSX, JORC rules that apply, you've got to have some economic valuation done in all new resources now. So we lost half a million ounces from the, the numbers that were in there. But they were the typical rats and mice running at the 0.2, 0.3 grams a tonne. So I didn't, it's still there. It's just it's not economic under the circumstances we are at. But we have used that as part of our exploration efforts for the DFS to increase the quality of the inferred resources. And we've used that for our exploration efforts and stepping out from some of the existing resources we've got to grow it. So over the next um, couple of weeks, maybe three, four weeks, Matt, there's going to be some more results coming out from the drilling we've done at Dugby, which is one of the resource areas, and also at Tucson, where we're expecting to see you know, some benefit from the infill we've done, uh, giving us more ounces and say the, the Dugby pit because remember, we've applied as part of the PEA a pit outline. Um, we've got a pit shell. Within that pit shell, we know we've found other areas of mineralization. It's now just defining them, which comes out in the press release, and building that into a new MRE. And the same applies in Tucson, where we've stepped out from the existing resource, found some more gold, and that comes in. All as to a more economic opportunity, because not only do we, will we have more ounces, fingers crossed, on it, but we will also have a lower stripping ratio on the existing pits because we've got more gold, higher productivity and if god's willing we might have a few extra ounces in terms of better grade well so these add to it and that's where the 70 million went in to begin with matt right okay i understood um, and plus i would say to people go back and watch some of these previous interviews we'll put links below to the other interviews we've done with, with ian um 
where, where we talk about you know business plan, team, and strategy, and all of those wonderful things that you should understand before you invest in a company. Um, just just on the, the the drilling. So you talked about you know maybe some higher grade, but the reality. Sorry. The likelihood it's going to be more of the same. So that's not necessarily yeah. a focus. It's infill and say, can we increase the size of this, this resource and, you know, and maybe get, get some additional reserves at some point down the line too. Um, and you better understand the, the way that you're going to mine this, the, you know, in terms of the, the size of the pit, the, the strip ratio, et cetera. It's more about that. Is that what we're going to see in these results that you're going to talk, you're talking yes, about? Yes. I, I think, I think it's, I'd say it's 80, 20. Matt, 80% is that confirmation that the resource is bulky, um, consistent, and we will have more ounces in the existing pitch shells that we've got, and 20, 25% of upside in terms of new ounces going forward. Okay. Okay, cool. Right. So final words from you. People aren't paying attention to this now. The PEA didn't really cause a flicker in your share price. So people aren't, aren't understanding this. So what, what, are, what are the three things that they should be looking at very, very closely? And because, and you know, we, we can do peer analysis and so forth, but, you know, who would you liken yourself to really, not want to be, but actually today? Because 40 million um, bucks, this is, um, th- this, this story isn't, isn't kind of working um, in the sense that, your, the story you're telling versus what the market's telling you, big disconnect. Yes, and, and there's no doubt. And you're quite right. That, look, if you take the average enterprise value per ounce in almost all the companies that we consider being in our peer group, then they'll be closer to something around $60 an ounce, and we are trading at less than a third of that. So just by that metric alone, just on a standard ounce in the ground, there is huge upside. And that should give us and all investors a real level of confidence that there's a good return to be got from this operation and from investing in this company. The second one, if you want a little bit added value, is guys, just go and look at the grade. You're looking at an open pick grade here in West Africa of 1.51, a stripping ratio of, let's say, life of mine of 41. That compares with any group out there. Then add in what we're talking about, Matt, the proximity to the port. All the economic drivers are positive, just concentrating them. And I think to some extent, without blowing our own horn, look at the guys running the company and say, are they capable of delivering a decent project? Have they done it before? Because it's not just the horse, it's the jockey as well. You've got to sort of look at. Okay. And so just finally, I didn't actually ask you in terms of how you're allocating, how much cash you've got and how much are you allocating to this sort of near-term work? And, you know, and how long is it going to last you? We've, uh, we raised that $9 million in April, May, um, and we continue to do the DFS work. That DFS is still primed to complete in the second quarter next year. Um, but there'll be a series of press releases obviously come out to highlight what we're performing. And, of course, you can imagine uh, ESG is paramount in all the work we're doing, and, and we have not took our foot off that pedal. And that tailings dam I mentioned, Matt, is part and parcel of that, because you cannot. There are no uh, second chances to get this right. You get it right first time and, and manage it correctly. Um, so from that $9 million raised to get back into your question, we've still got about half of it in the Treasury, so there's no immediate demand for money, certainly this side of, of uh, the last quarter this year. Grand in. Brilliant. Thanks for coming back on. I'm glad things are moving ahead, as you say, just a case of getting out there and uh, helping people understand that 
you know what what you're doing and why it's going to succeed. Um, so appreciate your time. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Matt. Thanks very much. Good interview.